talk wills. Do you have a will? You know, it's interesting. One of my favorite singers, Aretha Franklin, when she passed, I was shocked and horrified to hear that actually she hadn't left a formal will. She had written with a pen on a piece of paper and put it under the sofa. Aretha, a whole Aretha Franklin, put it on the sofa in her house. And there were parts where she had scratched out, uh, you know, so-and-so must get this. And when she disagreed with so-and-so, she'd scratch them with a pen. No, so-and-so mustn't get this anymore. And actually, when I, I remember the Aretha Franklin story, I remember there's many people who do that in our country. They just take a piece of paper and they write down, Homozo uh, must get uh, my 20 rand that I left there. But when I have a fight with Homozo, scratch Homozo, I write on top of, of, of that, uh, let it be somebody else. So we wanted to talk because it's National Will Week as of today. The Department of Justice and Constitutional Development is this week embarking on an educational drive focusing on wills and the administration of deceased estates as part of highlighting National Wills Week. Uh, it started this morning, as I said. What is it that you should know about drafting a will and also not leaving a headache for the people who love you when uh, you do die? To talk to us on this subject, Advocate uh, Prisha Setal is Assistant Master at the Department of Justice and Constitutional De uh, Development and joins me on the line. Good morning, Advocate. So what qualifies a legal document to be called the will, especially with my, uh, uh, sorry, the, the correct title for the advocate is uh, Assistant Master of the High Court in Durban at the Department of Justice and development. Blame, blame that on my short-sightedness. So, Advocate, I want to understand what qualifies a will. I just made a, a reference, but it's a real reference for some people who say, Auntie left a piece of paper under the mattress uh, that says what it is that they want, and therefore that's a will. What qualifies a legal document to be known as a will? Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Um, basically, any document which purports to be testamentary writing, and I'll qualify it just now, qualifies to be a will. We speak about validity as a second-pronged uh, attack on the subject. Firstly, any form of written document, for example, if it says, uh, this is my will and last testament, or this is my last wishes, and, and this is how wide it is. In South African law, in terms of the Wills Act, such a document has to be in writing. So it cannot be by a voice note or a recording or a video. No, it has to be in writing. And it's a very simple document. For example, it may very well say, this is my last wishes. I leave my entire estate or all my belongings to so-and-so. Mm. And it may be signed and hopefully it's witnessed by two independent witnesses who are not beneficiaries in terms of this testamentary writing. Oh, that that's important. The so the two people who co-sign on the will with you must not be beneficiaries. Correct. And the reason behind this, uh, in terms of uh, South African jurisprudence, is that there is there may be a likelihood of uh, coercion, of duress. For example, I'm holding uh, a threat, a gun, a knife to your head saying, write up that I am the only beneficiary. And then you squiggle two signatures it happens. Mm. So as the master of the high court, um, the assistant masters are charged with um, looking at whether the will is a valid will in terms of Section 2 of the Wills Act. Mm. And to do this, we look at, is this the last will and testament? The formal way of doing it is that I cancel all previous wills 
And very colloquially, I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. Cancel all previous votes or any uh, any wishes previous to this. And there's a data fix to it. Whereas it's not necessary, but it's always better to have more information. Mm-hmm. I leave my entire state. Say on the 1st of January, it's dated 2021. Like you said previously, you had a fight with Komoto on the 3rd of January. You put a line to the word, this is my last will and testament. I leave my entire estate to Sipagazi. And yeah. you date it. Yeah. And it goes on and on like that. You don't even have to put a line through the third or fourth will. You can just make subsequent wills and date it. Yeah. Revoking the previous one and validating the final one. I know that How, you you are assistant master of the high court in, in, in the Durban area in at the Department of Justice, and maybe it's unfair to ask generally about South Africa, but what do you find in your work? Are you finding that more people leave their last will and testament, or are we not there yet? Uh, it ends up being the state's responsibility uh, to see to what happens to someone's estate when they die. Unfortunately, I'm... Um, undertaking reading for a degree um, in in wills and the access to justice. And if you look at certain sectors of the population, you'd find that certain sectors are oversubscribed. That means uh, generally it's on a, on a percentage scale, 85% of that sector of the population die with wills. Good morning, Whereas other sectors, you know... uh, we're looking at single-digit percentages. And you, you beg the question why. The access is is not always readily available. And it's not just having a will. It's also making sure that the contents of the will are actually doable. It's practical. Example, uh, and more especially in South Africa with our um, seriously disadvantaged people and the black administration marriages. Mm. We find that we were we run off to a church and get married and the pastor will squiggle on a, what purports to us to be a marriage certificate. Mm. Um, hold and behold, when one of the spouses die and you discover the, mari- the death certificate says never married. Mm, but mm. You, you now die without a will and you have difficulties in proving that marriage with home affairs because one of the spouses have died. Sure. So I think before we run off making a will, look at the marital status. Go to home affairs. If not, make sure that the will caters for if the marriage is not registered at home affairs then I consider this to be my spouse. Remember, we also go, in South in the South African context, we also marry by customary uh, By customary right. law, yeah. yeah. Yes. So, and sure. we also cohabit um, as heterosexual partners. We actually uh, do cohabit. We live together for a protracted period of time until um, the rituals are done, mm. the vessels done. The, then the wife marriage, if at all it comes to being. People die, like you said, suddenly. Yeah. So in order to cater for those things, a will is essential, and therefore we come back to the National Wills Week. It, it should be an awareness program, an educational program. Yeah. So then the implications, advocate, of dying and leaving no will, especially when you have a large estate, when you have dependents, when even you're married... This creates all sorts of issues. Remember, um, most of us don't have one marriage. We have um, customary marriage, and then we may have a civil marriage, or vice versa. Yeah. We, we come from that society, so we cannot ignore that. The implications of dying without a will, they very well mean, say, for example, 
I enter into a valid secular South African civil marriage in 2020. But I have children from previous relationships. And I enter into this marriage and I have a child within wedlock. And I die without a will. The surviving spouse, depending on the value of the estate, if it's under 500000 the surviving spouse will then get the entire estate. And my minor children from my previous relationships may very well be disinherited. Mm. So those are my dependents. What about my parents who were dependent on me, for example? Mm. The dying with a will, and you know, we, we often laugh about it and we desensitize it, is considered a directive from the grave. So if you've got the one cell phone that you want to give your neighbor's daughter, you can put it down in the world. Mm, if mm. you have minor children, if you have dependents or majors, for example, parents, uh, and not just um, minor children, we're looking at major children who are dependent on the testator sure. for a livelihood. Maybe, <sighs> for example, the unemployed, the people who are still studying. Mm. So you've got to look at you know, very often our people say, I don't have very much. Mm. Uh, but look at exactly what, once you close your eyes, there's a fight, there's dispute for basic things. An example is a family home. You may be, um, your grandmom or great-grandmom may have died years ago, intestate, leaving you as an intestate beneficiary to maybe a one-tenth share of an immovable property in the, in the homeland. Yeah. Let me invite callers. Let me invite callers who might want to uh, uh, ask you a question. By the way, if you want to uh, join the conversation, please do so. Do you have a will? If if so, why did you opt to have a will? Do you not have a will? Why have you chosen to uh, not leave a will? Uh, please join our conversation on 0891104207. It's National Will Week in South Africa. Did you know that? Uh, if you've done a will also, tell us how did you do it? We're talking to Advocate Precious Satal, who's Assistant Master of the High Court in Durban at the Department of Justice and Development, um, sorry, at Justice and Constitutional Development. So if somebody says they're keen, uh, advocate, on, on getting a will, you know, what resources are available to them if they want to draft a will? Uh, nationwide, 99% of the attorneys are drafting wills free of charge, um, Trust companies included any form of service point or master's offices nationwide have also converted their help desk offices into a walk-in contact center where we be able to advise you on not just um, drafting a will, but also checking on your uh, existing will, mm. whether it is in fact valid. Maybe also looking at whether uh, your marital status is the correct one. Mm, Example, mm. are you married? Are you divorced in terms of the home affairs system? So we are able to provide that information. And then uh, if you don't have a will, uh, advise you on how to draft a will. We have at our offices, we've got a precedent of a very simple will. Yeah. So So that can advise you on on the different aspects of getting a will. the, The testator. Yeah, but then fraud. 
How do you prevent fraud? Because we do hear stories of families that are fighting after somebody has died. Somebody says, no, you know, they have the final uh, uh, will and testament. No, somebody else has the final will and testament. How do you prevent fraud from being committed? Uh, As I said, we've heard uh, stories of people who even forged signatures of the deceased person, especially if they left behind a larger state. How do you make sure that that any will and testament that is left behind is fraud proof, if you may? Generally speaking, it's almost impossible because as the function of an assistant master is to consider the will in terms of the will's act, that is, all the requirements in terms of Section 2, it's almost like a tick box, has two witnesses witness the will at the end thereof, has the testator signed the will. If, for example, the testator is a fixed, and, and this is important, if the testator has a fixed the thumbprint, because not everybody in, in South Africa is literate enough to, to sign a signature. Yeah. Or maybe just the X, you know, um, the older generation would put in an X as a symbol of affirmation of a signature. Mm. So okay. when, when that happens, they go off to the police station. It's common knowledge. You go off to the police station and they stamp it, but it's insufficient. So mm. we educate them around what constitutes a valid signature. Be that as it may, just say, for example, the testator allegedly signed this will, and it happens on a regular basis. We've got two witnesses, we've got testator's signature, and the assistant master then is satisfied that this purports to be a will, a valid one. So we accept it. Mm. A few days later, family come and show us documents. Look, there's a discrepancy with the signature. Mm, okay. Now, the master does not have authority to question a signature. Only the court, that means the high court. It becomes expensive to then um, go to the high court, approach the high court via legal representatives to then um, contest the validity of the will. Mm. We've got My a question. We've got a question, and time is not on our side. So I wanted to uh, offer this uh, listener uh, the the right. The, it's a voice note. Do you want to listen, advocate? Sure. Yes. Hi to you, Katie. Um, KG Mulakati. Uh, good topic, and to your guest there, Katie. I might just shift a little slightly. Uh, when you draw up a will, now, uh, and then you leave, you it don't concern me, but just for clarity's sake, you leave, you sign in your will that you want to leave the house for your children, right? Uh, maybe a specific child or whoever. Ne? It's the, it's your very, very next of kin. It's part of you, a children. Why do you have to pay transfer fee? That is all I ask. Um, yeah, I think that should be looked into. Thank you. Bye. Scully. Thank you, Scully. I'm going to ask the advocate to please pause as we go to news headlines so that uh, she can respond to Scully's question and also answer Kolani in the Eastern Cape. I can see, Kolani, I know that you've been holding on the phone line uh, for a while. Let's quickly go to news headlines with N. Musa. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. 
Welcome back. We were talking to Advocate Prisha Sital, who's Assistant Master at the High Court in Durban at the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development because it's Will Week and we're trying to wrap our heads around wills, uh, the issues of why to get uh, a will for your estate uh, when you pass. So uh, did you hear the question that uh, came earlier through voice note, uh, Advocate? I'm going to allow you to uh, prepare your answer and then also, uh, as you do, uh, we take a call from Kolani in the Eastern Cape who can ask you a question and then you respond to both of them as we round off. Kolani, hi, I apologize for making you wait for so long. No, not a problem. Hi, Kate. To me, actually, it's not a question other than just to add from my previous experience on the issue of the will and also encouraging the, anyone to do it at the same time to also appoint the executor. I think it's important that we do that whilst we are still alive. I had a very, some of those, uh, I'll call it, unhappy experiences where uh, kids, because if this was a teacher, I used, to, I used to be in the banking industry, and the, one of the sisters we, uh, of the deceased was using a credit card when the deceased, was in, like when, when the owner of the credit card was no more. And then I met the kids in the at work where I used to, and then they didn't even know that the card was being used by the sister in other part of the country, even though the owner of the card was deceased. The issue here was that any member within the families who has access to a death certificate can go to the magistrate's court and actually request um, and, and be appointed as an executor by pretending to be the one and all that if they've got evidence that they are related to the person. But he, and then you find that sometimes it's not even the right person that the, the family would have loved to, to, to do that. We had those situations where two different family members come pushing for access to the accounts and all that. If the will was there and whoever was appointed by the owner before we pass away, who should be the executor? It would make things much more easy to control all the uh, things that belong to the deceased. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Kolani. Uh, I hope you heard both comments, uh, Advocate Sadal. Do you want to respond? Yes, thank you. Uh, I've got responses for both. In terms of Scully's response, he speaks of transfer duty. Mm. Uh, true, transfer duty has nothing to do with the services that the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development and the Master's Office has to do with. This is a separate and independent amount uh, or cost that is attracted when property is conveyed to different people by either by um, transfer or by sale. That goes to the state fiscal via the deeds registry offices or the deeds office. So transfer duty is a lot like a licensing fee um, for transfer of motor vehicle licenses. This is merely transfer of immovable property. But transfer duty is attracted to a certain amount. Um, they have a threshold of an amount. So if it exceeds that amount, as determined by the deed registry office themselves um, from time to time and published in the government gazette, so it may not, for properties uh, that are less expensive, it may not attract uh, a transfer duty at all. Okay. So that's an independent cost. To uh, address Kolani's comment and concern, Kolani raised a very important issue and the biggest perpetration of fraud that uh, banking institutions are seeing, financial institutions are seeing, where a person has died and the death is actually not reported. So that bank account, if you had uh, access to that PIN or that 
credit card, whatever the case may have been, it can perpetuate and the amount may be diminished and totally eliminated completely. Mm-hmm. Had there been a will, banking mm-hmm. institution then checks and there's sectors for the asset verification centers, for example, they are able to check on a daily basis in terms of uh, debts of their clients. And it's updated periodically and, and quite uh, effectively as well. In the banking industry, if, for example, you bank at ABC Bank, they offer, and during this week more especially, they offer services of having a world drafted with him. Mm. Um, from my experience, sometimes when the estate value is below a certain threshold, for example, too small, under 250,000 rand or under 500,000 rand, depending on that financial institution's uh, threshold, uh, then they uh, renounce as executives if they appointed in terms of a will. What happens is that the world does not nominate an alternate beneficiary, which is crucial. Remember, you, you've worked hard for what you've accumulated. So it's important that you have control even after you've gone, just so whatever you've worked hard for mm. goes into the right hands that is predetermined by yourself. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, that's the biggest perpetration of fraud that we're seeing right now because we look at, uh, say, for example, uh, a person by the name, surname of Sutole has passed away. Mm. We find anybody with that in coming into a magistrate's office with a death certificate that you can reprint from home affairs saying, I'm the deceased son. And we look at the surnames and it's the same. The file is open, the funds are gone, and the real beneficiaries come in after the grieving and mourning period only to find that the they money are now is gone. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. So this is, the, this is the access and education around come in, do your work, it's free of charge, the master's office. And any magistrate court, the entire Department of Justice has now converted itself to assist in this access, not just during World Week. Even outside of the period. Yes. yes. It's just the creating of awareness during this period. Yeah. I mean, thank you for enlightening us. It clearly sounds like it's imperative that, uh, you know, we live a will. Uh, I think for the peace of mind of the people that we love. Thank you so much for making the time uh, to allow us time to engage you, Advocate. Thank you so much. Thank you. Advocate uh, Prisha Sital is the Assistant Master of the High Court in Durban at the Department of, of Justice and Constitutional. Walk in. Get your will done. I mean, do something nice for the people who love you. You don't want them to be scratching each other uh, in the kitchen after <laughs> after your funeral. Uh, they say, this plate is mine. No, these shoes are mine. No, this dress is mine. So, I mean, if you want specific things uh, to happen with your estate after you die, make sure that uh, you leave a will and testament.